listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about the most popular book organization systems. Is it color? Is it genre? Is it length? Who would do length? Is it something weirder? Oh, yeah. Uh, we're also reviewing Storygraph, which we've been talking about a lot lately. And we're recommending some queer literary fiction. But first, Bria, what are you reading? Um, I'm going to shout out a book that I read an early copy of, friend of the show, friend of Mallory and mine. My friend Izzy Lee put out a book called I Can See Your Lies. It's a novella. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think I have like a quote on it, or if not, I'm definitely like, there's quotes somewhere. But it's about a woman who is a recent single mom. She's in Los Angeles. It's hot. And there's she's starting to have these sort of like hallucinations. It's very disturbing. And she doesn't know, is this stress? Is this a psychosis? And then she starts digging into some secrets. There's like a Hollywood aspect of it about her mother. I think people who like sort of like the the uh, unreliable narrator will really dig this. And it's a novella, so it's short. It's very fun. It's punchy. I thought it was just great. And it just came out, well, when it'll be out, have been out for like a week or so when this episode uh, comes out. But it's a fun one. Uh, what are you reading? So you remember my New Year's resolution of wanting to read more short story books. Yes. I've been doing good, doing great. I'm very excited about it. And I wanted to talk about one that I've been really enjoying. I've been keeping it by my bedside and reading one story before bed every night. It's The Secret Lives of Church Ladies by Disha Filia. And this came out four years ago, three or four years ago. And it was real buzzy when it came out. And I, I had been, I had bought it and just like never gotten around to it. Mm-hmm. And now it's one of those things where I'm kicking myself because it is so damn good. Oh. It's this like... Like really wonderful, very literary short story collection. Every short story collection is like looking into the lives of different black women at different ages. Oh. And there is a story nice. in here that just like leveled me. Mm. It was so good. Wow. And I feel like that, like, that's really the biggest hope for a short story collection is like, if you can get one really good one, you're like, oh, hell yeah. But this one, like, so many of the stories in here are just absolutely fantastic. Like, the doorway for this is character, mm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But the writing is wonderful, and it's Philia has this, like, ability to make a short story feel like a novel, but in a good way. Like, within two pages, you're like, oh, I already know this character so well. And I don't know how she does it. It's magic. But I'm really, really enjoying it so far. If you're looking for a great short story collection to check out. It's also very small. Like the book, like the book is a, a small object. Great purse book. Mm. So it's The Secret Lives of Church Ladies by Disha Filia. And mine is I Can See Your Lies by Izzy Lee. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Beth wrote in to say, Hey there, I recently finished reading The Country of the Blind, a memoir by Andrew Leland about losing his sight over the course of his life. And I highly recommend it. I want to read this. This has been on my TBR. This sounds amazing. Yeah. In part of it, he describes how some people read Braille, their trailing hand finishes the line they're currently on, while their leading hand jumps down to find the start of the next row. This made me think of Mallory's and my own habit of jumping her eyes down the page and skipping text to find out what happens next. And I laughed as I envisioned the two of us with our fingers flying through a book while we get to the plot. Uh. Thanks for all you do. Looking forward to the readathon. Oh my God. This is really funny because this is 100% how I would read Braille. Yeah. <laughs> just- I just love like it. Just flying, you're just like smacking every page. Like you're like, a, like yeah, it's like when a robot discovers they can like read a book and you're just like going through it really fast, you know? Like. <laughs> I love this. Beth, it's me and you 
reading Bria books. I love it. One of our wonderful Sarahs wrote in and said, hi, Mallory and Bria. I wanted to send a thank you to you and the other Glassers for teaching me about the ins and outs of being a reader. I've let go of a lot of my reader guilt and embraced so many more of my library's features. I also wanted to share an interaction I had with my library. I recently had a whole come in on Libby for a popular book. And when I started reading, I discovered that the copy I was reading was an ARC. I admit I finished the book before reaching out to my library. But when I did, they responded and thanked me for letting me know so that they could resolve it. Before reading glasses, I didn't even know what an ARC was and probably wouldn't have had the confidence to reach out to my librarians about it. I'm still figuring out my reader wheelhouse, but safe to say whenever I need a new batch of holds, I go straight to the RG newsletter and anticipation bonus episodes and they never steer me wrong. Thanks for reading. Oh my God, I love this so much. And yeah, that's interesting that an arc ended up in library circulation. Weird, just like a weird glitch maybe. That does seem like such a weird glitch. How strange. It could be one of those things where like, you know, remember a while ago we had a lot of controversy about people accidentally finding copies of books in stores way before their sell-by date. Yeah. I wonder if that was kind of Yeah, but it's not like a library gets something that early. They would have to have like got that donated or something. You know what I mean? No, very weird. Interesting. That's so weird. But I'm sure the author would be very happy that there's not a uncorrected arc illicit out there. copy. Uh, yeah. Oh my yeah. god. I would. I would pee my pants if I found out an arc. Yes. Of that redacted that, was in libraries right now. Author will be very happy that you did that. Then Lindsay wrote in with a wheelhouse, which is historical fiction where a smarty pants heroine has to solve a mystery while falling for her handsome and progressive enemy. Oh, yeah. That's mm. good shit right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, self-help books about prioritizing rest. Oh, this, I like this category, too. <laughs> <laughs> Fantasy with impeccable banter. Women protagonists over the age of 50 who might murder someone. Mm. Gentlemen highwaymen. Wisecracking Ooh. kids who are not put in too much danger. And a twist ending so good you gasp loud enough to wake your roommates. This, this is a banger wheelhouse. Lindsay, this is so specific and I love it. I love it. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Final warning, folks, tomorrow, tomorrow, if you are listening to this, the day the book comes out, tomorrow, or wow, the day the, why do I just substitute the word book for every noun in this show? the (laughs) (laughs) The day after this podcast episode comes out, March 1st, it is a Friday. Five o'clock Pacific time. We are having our very first Glasser voted book club meeting on Zoom. Ooh. The Glassers voted for Starling House by Alexi Harrow. We read it. We loved it. It's going to be so much fun to talk to everybody about it. See what people thought. Talk about some group questions. And folks, right. This is a members only event. But you're listening to this right now and you're like, oh, I loved that book. And I really want to talk about it with Mallory and Brian, a bunch of other Glassers. Not to fret. You can go to MaximumFun.org slash join right now. Email us proof of your membership. And remember, you can get this at any membership level. You want to sign up to support us for just $5 a month? You get this. You get access to the Slack channel. You want to support us for $1,000 a month? Wow. We love you so much. We'll send you a card. But any level that you want to sign up, you get access to this. Just email us proof of your receipt and we will send you a Zoom link. It's already been a Zoom link posted in, in the Slack, but if you don't use Slack and you want to uh, get in on this, just email us and we will send you a link to the Zoom thing. It's going to be so much fun. Again, that's tomorrow, March 1st, 5 Pacific. It's going to be fantastic, folks. And before we talk about the most popular book organization systems, we're going to take a quick break. Break. 
Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Mosh. The old adage, you are what you eat, rings very true to all of us in the modern day. For example, I am chocolate. That's it. I'm just made of chocolate. Mosh is an on-the-go protein snack that satisfies and is designed with functional ingredients to help you live intentionally too. Guess what? Mosh was founded with a simple mission, to create a conversation about brain health through food education and research. So Mosh joined forces with the world's top scientists and functional nutritionists to go beyond your average protein bar. With six delicious flavors, each Mosh bar has 12 grams of protein and is made with ingredients that support brain health, like ashwagandha, lion's mane, collagen, and omega-3s. Y'all, I am big on omega-3s. I really see the difference in my life when I have the proper amount of omega-3s. I just want to let you know. And Mosh, if in case you weren't convinced, also donates a portion of all proceeds from your order to fund gender-based brain health research through the women's Alzheimer's movement. And just so you know, why is it gender-based? Two-thirds of all Alzheimer's patients are women. And Mosh is working closely to close that gap between men and women's health research. In fact, y'all have heard us talk about this on the show. There's a lot of problems with research because it is done mostly on men and not on women. So thank you, Mosh, for doing that. Look, I personally am always looking for a way to improve my diet, to think about what I'm putting into my body and how it affects my brain, particularly because I have Alzheimer's in my immediate family. It's something I think about a lot. And that's why I think about those omega-3s. That's why I think about the extra things that help you to get through the day. And I'm not just grabbing like something that isn't going to have that kind of thing, you know? Instead, I want something that helps my brain but also tastes good. It also is easy for me to just eat on the go. I don't always have time to make something delicious and easy. And this is the perfect source of both of those things and is good for your brain. And that is important. I'm glad they've done all this research. And hey, if you want to find ways to give back to others and fuel your body and your brain, Mosh bars are the perfect choice for you. Head to moshlife.com slash glasses to save 20% off plus free shipping on either the bestsellers trial pack or the new plant-based trial pack. That's 20% off plus free shipping on either the bestsellers or the plant-based trial pack at moshlife.com slash glasses. Thank you, Mosh, for sponsoring the episode. Glasses. I'm Emily Fleming. And I'm Jordan Morris. We're real comedy writers. And real friends. And real fucking cheapskates. We say, why subscribe to expensive streaming services when you can stream tons of insane movies online for free? As long as you're fine with 25 randomly inserted super loud car insurance commercials. On our new podcast, Free With Ads, we review streaming movies from the darkest corner of the internet's bargain bin. From the good to the weird, to the holy shit look at John claude Van Damme's big old butt. Free with ads, a free podcast about free movies that's worth the price of admission. Every Tuesday on MaximumFun.org or your favorite pod spot. This week, we're talking about the most popular book organization systems. But 
Which ones are the best? Can a book organization system be the best? We are getting into it. So we did a recent episode about the state of reading in the United States and how much readers actually read based on a study done by David Montgomery for the Washington Post. The second half of the study, however, was all about book organization systems. And he found that when it came to organizing their books, 3% of readers do it by color, Mm -hmm. 18% do it alphabetically by author or title, 18% also do it by size. Mm-hmm. 19% do it by genre. And Bria, 28% of readers don't have an organizational system at all. Oh my God. Does any of this surprise you? What are your thoughts on this? Well, I was surprised I'm in the minority because I'm a color organizer, which is obvious, I guess weird. I didn't know it was weird. I think it's so pretty. I will say this. Don't we all organize by size like a little bit? You know, like... Well, if you have like those giant books, you're going to put them elsewhere. They're not going to just be sitting, taking up an entire shelf. You know what I mean? Okay. Like if it's real tall, like you're not going to put that in with the other books. Like those go somewhere else. You know, if you have a really tall, like coffee table book. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. So that that checks out. I I didn't think I organized by size, but that I do have one shelf that's like all my giant coffee table books. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just going to put them like it wouldn't, doesn't make sense. I think I'm most surprised by those who don't organize at all. Like what sort of chaotic evil are these people involved in? Or maybe it's chaotic neutral. I don't know. It's just chaos. And that sounds pretty scary to me to not have an organization system. But, you know, Godspeed. Like if that's what they want to be doing and they don't need to organize it, which I'll get to in a second. But it is surprising. This is a little bit surprising. Was it surprising to you? Oh, my God. Yeah, I was shocked. I was clutching my pearls. I fainted <laughs> on my little fainting couch. No organization. How do people find a book? I would literally rather walk into the sea. Like <laughs> that would be like if someone if the if like I was a spy and a, I got picked up by the powers of a foreign government and they were like, we got to make her talk. They would put me in a room full of books that were not organized <laughs> and I would be sweating like. Mm-hmm. I've also never really heard of people organizing their books by size, like besides the coffee table book. Like, so what are people doing? Putting all their mass markets together, all the trade paperbacks, all the hardcovers. Like, yeah, maybe that is wild to me. I just wonder if that the question is weird, right? That it's like, yeah, of course I'm organizing by size. I have like stuff like my big coffee table books, not with my, you know, paperbacks. Like, but I, I don't know. I don't know. The, the question is a little misleading, maybe. All right. So before we even get into which one of these organization systems is the best, if there is a best version, how do we personally organize our books and does it does it work for you? Well, OK, this is twofold for me, but like I said, color, uh, it makes no sense that I do it like this. And half the time I can't find the book I'm looking for because sometimes the <laughs> spine is a different color than the cover. And I can only think of the cover. And then I'm like, well, I think it's black. And then I look and I can't find it. And it's like, oh, it was red because the spine is fucking red for some reason. But it looks pretty. And for a person who owns, does a book podcast, I actually don't own that many books because I'm an e-reader and I get rid of a lot of books. And I mean, you definitely own more books than that, than a lot of people. I do. I do. But also, can I just say, I do a little genre and I do a little autobiography like personalization so I have one shelf of unread books that's a different shelf and that's sort of my autobiographical like this is my TBR ish list and then I do have one whole bookcase that's just comic books because I think they look all look better together and then I do have a giant bookcase just for my husband's books which are mostly coffee table books and I don't want to John does like a giant book and I don't organize them they're just all in there and so maybe I think I have a system but I don't actually have a system I mean it's a system it's just a very it's not a simple system you know what I mean (laughs) 
Yeah. And uh, it definitely, well, it sounds like you're kind of mixing form and function. Yeah. And like the comic books, like I don't need them to all be in the same. I know where my comic books are. Right. And I don't yeah. need them to be with the books because a graphic novel in the books. I mean, that feels like I, I would never do that. Like they need to be in their own on their own shelf. You know? Yeah. Are you graphic novels hives. mixed with? No. But you do genre anyway. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, so I do by genre, uh, and then I I also have a very complicated system, but it does work really well for me. So I have my all my bookshelves, and then I have my separate TBR cart that is also separated by genre, and it has all the new releases, like current year books, on the top shelf. Um, and then within this is where I have like a little little smidge of chaos, just mm. a touch. Mm. Within genre, I don't organize by title or author because yeah. I shift out books so often that I think it would be a pain for me to keep it organized like that. Sure. Um, and I keep it pretty, like, I organize by genre very specifically. Like, it's, like, fantasy, sci-fi, thriller, mystery, weird fiction, literary fiction. Like, it's not just, like, fiction. Like, it's so organized. It's so specific. Like, the genres are so specific that it's pretty easy for me to find a book within that section. Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't need to look by genre or author. And all the books by the same author are together unless they go in a different genre. Like, Carmen Maria Machado is a great example. Like, Her Body and Other Parties goes in the weird fiction section, but The Dream House goes in nonfiction. Right, right. Okay, okay. I, it really works for me because it's very functional. It's very easy to find my books. I like the mix of organized, but also like a touch of random because, you know, so it doesn't look too like psychotic, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it doesn't mm -hmm. look like too organized. Mm -hmm. So do we think any of these systems, whether it's by size or author genre, like are, are do you think there's one that is the best or better than the others? I think you go with what works for you. I mean, I rarely need to find my books. So for me, an aesthetic based system is fine. Like I rarely need to find them. And like, I like the way it looks I, like maybe once a year. I'm like, I have to find this book. And like, then it's a little bit of chaos and it's a bit of a pain in the ass. But I would say overall, you do what works for you. For me, the aesthetic based system works because I'm not constantly searching for books. So I think it's like you have to know what you use your books for. If you're a person who's like constantly, I know you are using that bookshelf to find books to read, you know? And so you need to have like yeah. a different organizing system. Yeah, but what, what do you think? What's the best system? I think the thing about books is that it's a battle between, like we said earlier, form and function. Yeah. Like they're kind of like kitchen items where they can be for display, but you also use them. Mm. So you kind of want, you want things to be aesthetically pleasing, but you also either want them to be easily browsable or like some mix between the two on the spectrum. And I think whatever system is best for you is whatever hits that balance between form and function. Like for you, if you're not taking out books all the time, yeah. like you want it to look really cute. Like it, the function that it is performing is a decorative element in your yeah, home. That's right. Like, and maybe you don't care about looks at all and you want everything absolutely alphabetically and that works for you. And, you know, maybe the only thing that matters is look. So you want to go by, by color or size. You want to make one of those cute rainbows. Like I really think the best system, like you said, is all about your priorities and how mm. you're using it. For me, I am taking books out constantly, you know, for a variety of reasons. So I'm always like, you know, my reference books I'm using, I'm letting, like I'm taking out books to put in my TBR. Like I 
took out a large bag of books for our photo shoot that we did recently. And like, I knew exactly where all of them were. I Mm -hmm. had exactly where all the books that I knew I wanted to bring for us to take pictures with. So I think that's really what it is. What I'm interested in, I want to talk to someone who doesn't organize at all because that's not form or function. That's nothing. Okay. Can I say, here's, here's a great shame in my life. I, (laughs) I don't, we own, I don't know how many records, like, Many, many records. And there's no organization on those. Not one bit. It's just, it's a free-for-all. You don't know where the record you want. It's sometimes you come across a record and you're like, what even is this? I don't know where it came from. So while, I mean, the box sets are somewhere, but the records are not organized. Honestly, this is in part like a, a leftover from when I moved in with my now husband. But yeah, not organized. And it isn't form or function, except that they all are in the same place, which is a little bit of a form. But other than that, no, it's just a free-for-all. You dive in. You don't know. Is it going to be David Bowie? Is it going to be Margot and the Nuclear So-and-Sos? You don't know what record you're going to get, which is kind of horrifying to me, but I don't listen to them enough for it to drive me nuts. Yeah, so what do you do when you want one? I uh, look it up on Spotify. (laughs) And listen to it on Spotify. The record area is just for me to have a good time. Like I go and kind of like, oh, what about this one? It's like more of like a discovery. But I will say there's something fun to the discovery aspect of it where I'm like, oh, I haven't thought about this band in a long time. Like, I, don't, I haven't thought about the the rentals in a long time. And I put the rentals on. And I'm like, wow, what a great album. Like, I wouldn't have thought to look this up on Spotify. But if I'm looking for something specific, I just look it up. My God, my like the sound that folks are not hearing right now is my brain slowly melting out do of my ear. Do you have records? I don't think you have a lot of records, do you? I have records, but I do. Uh, honestly, the way that we organize our, our records is Jeremy's records and my records. And my records are such a small section that. I don't really need to organize them. Yeah. I only, I have like a shitload of Tom Waits records and then like maybe less than five other records. Oh, okay. Yeah. We have hundreds of records and I just, there's no, I'm telling you, it's a great shame. It's a great shame that I'm like, have never put it together, but I've, I live in a chaos house and there's only so much I can do every day. You know, only so much that can happen. I'm, I'm trying to think if I have like a secret shame you're pretty organized. I don't think I'm I have pretty like organized. And that's what's so weird about that is that that is something that's not organized. And I'm a pretty organized person. Sometimes I lose things, but my house is a little bit of a black hole. I think the only thing I have similar to that is like everything in my house is organized, except I definitely have one drawer that is like, like, you know, that episode of Friends where they discover that Monica has like a chaos closet. Oh, yeah. A junk drawer. You have a junk drawer. Yeah, but it is like a ridiculous junk drawer. And it yeah. is my my secret little shame that's okay. that I just stuff things Everyone into it, needs a junk drawer. You need a drawer where you can just stuff. That's important. You have to have that. Oh, but folks, you have to write in and tell us. If you're a person who keeps books like Bria keeps records, you got to let me know. Mallory because... might kick me off the show because of what I just said about <laughs> my records. Mallory looks like she's like seen a ghost. She <laughs> <laughs> But your books are really cutely organized. Thank you. Appreciate it. But I also, I, yeah, I was going to say, I definitely keep my graphic novels separate. Keep graphic lo- novels separate. Keep like coffee table books separate. Keep fiction separate from nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And I'll, also I do, I, within genre, I forgot to say, I do keep different age groups separate. Like we have a middle grade bookcase and we have a YA bookcase. Mm. And all the books and all the, all the other bookcases are adult. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Folks. You got to write in people. I'm very interested to see what the gla- how the glassers are organizing or not organizing. So I think what we're saying is there isn't a best organization system. There is only your own personal needs. Unless you want Mallory to look it. at you like 
You are just a little. I look like like that scene from Indiana Jones where that guy's face is melting off, <laughs> <laughs> just screaming. <laughs> You can send your thoughts to book organization systems to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. Before we give our thoughts on Storygraph, we're going to take a quick break. Hello, everyone out there. Thank you for coming to our service. Yes. We are ready to heal you. you. We are Ross and Carrie. We are faith healers. Yes, Yes, you there. Yes, sir. You have a spirit of... Not listening to enough podcasts. We have the solution for that. Oh, we can cure you. You should listen to Oh No, Ross and Carrie. Hallelujah. Mm. It's on Maximum Fun. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yes, ma'am. Yes, you there. Gladys. A, A spirit of boredom? Oh my goodness, we have the solution for you. It is to listen to the podcast. Oh, oh no, no, Ross, Ross and, and Carrie. Now let's look at some book tech advances in bookish technology. This week, we're doing a more in-depth review of Storygraph. Storygraph is a book tracking and reviewing app and website that's similar to Goodreads, but is owned by real people and not Amazon. Hmm. Last time we talked about Storygraph, it was a brand new website with an even newer app, and we kind of gave a cursory review of it, but we've both been using it for a bit. I've been doing so secretly. Mm -hmm. Just recently on the show have revealed that I've been using Storygraph, and we are ready to share some thoughts. Bria, what do you think about Storygraph now that you've been using it for a bit? Well, I like these pie charts. I love these pie charts. I love a chart. And that was the reason I started using it more is I wanted these charts. Um, I like the part where it tells me who I've read most, which I'm embarrassed about, but now I know. Uh, I like that <laughs> it tells me what genres I like the most. And you can also limit it to where you're like, oh, last year, what did I read? This year, what did I read? So you kind of can see what you're doing or of all time. It's it's awesome. I like the questions it asks at the end because it kind when you review a book, because it makes me think about the book a little bit more in depth than just my normal like, oh, it's a five stars on Goodreads or whatever. Like it makes me go like, oh, was it a diverse cast? Like, was it, uh, you know, answer these questions that it has. I'm not sure some of the questions are relevant for me. Like it always, this question I never really understand, which is if it asks the, the book is about the character's flaws and every time I say to myself, should I not answer this? Because if I answer yes, will less people read it? Because sometimes, because I, I like books that are about characters' flaws. <laughs> like I'm going for books that are about characters' flaws. So that question is always a confusing one to me. Um, yeah. The other ones I feel like are, are like, okay, I, I get these, but I want people to read this book, even though it's about people's flaws. And like a lot of books are about that. I, maybe it's a non-judgmental question. It's just like people need to know. Anyway, that's the one question that always I'm like, what? I don't understand this one. But I, if this is yeah. an important question to you, I actually would love to hear why, because I think it's just based on my reading love, which is that I like characters who like do bad things. And I'm like, yeah, it's about their flaws. I love it. I also spend a lot of time trying to remember all the content warnings, which does help me to remember the book in some ways. And this one feels like my job is like a member of the community and I feel like I'm doing some good. So I like that aspect of it. And I actually like the key words that it asks you to put in at the end. It's stuff we would call wheelhouses, but it, it's not visible. It's just stuff that they use, I think, to help group books or something. Or maybe you can see them. I don't even know if you can see them, but I know it's not public. I'm surprised they're not public, though. I know. I know. That's weird. Um, yeah. But um, anyway, I'm going to say five out of five pages. I'm loving Storygraph. Uh, how are you feeling about it? So 
Recently in the show, I revealed that I was lured back to StoryGraph, mm-hmm. the promise of the graphs that it provides you. <laughs> I got a lot of FOMO last year when everyone was showing off their little StoryGraph apps and yeah. I didn't get one because I don't, wasn't using it. So I'm here and I got to say, I love the graphs. The graphs are, gotta, the good, graphs are, the graphs are good. They're smart with the, the graphs. The graphs are good. Yeah. I do keep my StoryGraph private, so I don't use any of the social aspect of it. So I cannot speak to that. Uh, and I don't rate books on there. So because yeah, it's private, it's, this is 100% for me, baby. These are just, I want those fucking graphs. Give me the graphs. I don't uh, rate the books either. Yeah. Now it does give, give you graphs for a lot of stuff. And some of the things I find useful and some of them don't. I think, and I've seen some people talking about this in the reading glasses slack. So I know that I'm not the only one. I, the problem I have with some of them is that some of the things that you are, people are logging and uh, differentiating books by is very objective. Like, mm. you know, there's things, the, the stuff that I find useful is the objective stuff is the, like the book length. Is it fiction or nonfiction? What genre is it? What format is it? Like, it's very fun for me to log a newly finished book and see how it affects my graphs. The other graphs are things like pace and mood. And those are so subjective. And oftentimes I don't agree with the way that a book is oh, categorized. Oh, interesting. I've never had a problem with it, but I do. That's interesting. Sometimes I'm like, this this book was not slow paced or this book was not fast paced. Like, I, I don't really like it. And I also don't, because it's not something I'm trying to log and trying to like shift in my reading life. I just don't find it very like... You know, they're like, oh, you're reading a lot of medium pace books. Like that doesn't, that gives me like, mm. doesn't tell me. Like that doesn't get, that, that, I'm not using that information in my I, reading life. I also find when uh, I'm, when I'm logging and it's asking me if it's fast, medium or slow paced, if it's a short book, I'm like, it's fast. If it's a long book, I'm like, it's slow, which I don't think is necessarily true. I just like don't have a sense of pace. <laughs> yes. I feel like I'm maybe it's not a- the best person to ask. It's hard because I feel like, it, it, yeah, it's it's some of the stuff is just not stuff I'm thinking about too, too much. Like everyone, if a, I'm only really noticing a book if it's super slow and I dump it or it's really fast and I am, you know, flying through it. So, but anything in between there, I'm not really paying attention. And so much of a book's pace is also like, you know, did you have a lot of time this week? Are you yeah. able to sit yeah. down and read a lot? It just yeah. feels so subjective. So I really wish I could just turn them off. I, I I ignore them. The thing is also, you know, StoryGraph is still really new. So maybe, mm-hmm. you know, soon we'll be able to do that. They have been adding a lot of things and changing a lot of things. My biggest quibble, though, is that I do find it kind of a pain to log the books, oh. um, especially because one of the things I really wanted to see and one of the graphs I really wanted was format. Like, are you reading a lot in digital, audio, or print? Oh, um, and I never even log that part of it. I never even touched that. It's kind of a pain to do uh, it. You have to, like, click on additions, and then you have to find... Like, they, I really wish they just had a, like, in the logging thing, instead of scrolling through all the different editions, you could just say, is it audio, is it print, is it digital? And I find that kind of a pain in the ass mm. to, to scroll through and find whatever edition you're reading. So that is annoying to me. Because I, but mostly it's because I really want that fucking graph. But overall, because uh, I think the default is it gives you print. Oh, I think that I just do everything in print. I'm not even, I'm not even checking it. Because I was looking at two of the first books I read this year. One of them was Opinions by Roxane Gay, and I did that on audio. And I logged it, and I was like so excited to see that my print break or my breakdown. It said everything was print, and I was like wait a minute, I have to go in and like uh, change all yeah. of it. So it was kind of a pain in the ass. Um, so I wish that they would make that easier. Like just 
give us a, an option to pick which format it is. But besides those quibbles, overall, I will say I am enjoying the experience of seeing my reading data. And if people like that, I especially if you like that and you are too intimidated like I am to make a really fancy spreadsheet, I think you should try it mm. you know, now that they have the app. Because I had those quibbles, I'm giving it four out of five pages, but I am highly recommending that Glassers check it out and yeah. try it for themselves. I like and there's it. a lot. I mean, the thing about Storygraph is there's so many other things that you can use that are that we don't use. Like where there's no, we're not using it for book recommendations. We're not using yeah. the community aspects. There's a lot going on on Storygraph. So check it out, explore it, see if you like it. So if you have book tech ideas for us to test out, you can send them to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to check out our wish list, it's in the show notes. And we would love if you perused the stuff we want to test and sent us something. Time to answer a recommendation request from one of our listeners. Locke writes in, Dear Bria and Mallory, I started listening to Reading Glasses in 2022 and have had such a great time listening to your backlist while waiting for new episodes every Thursday. I know you get this comment a lot, but your show has really helped me rediscover the pleasure of reading after university. In fact, I'm waiting to do my master's in literature because I'm enjoying picking what I want to read without any academic pressure. Mm. Since finishing my degree, my reading tastes have expanded tremendously and I've been reading more memoirs, poetry, and graphic novels than ever before. I would love for you to recommend me a book or genre based on my ever-changing wheelhouse, which is short chapters, M slash M queer representation and romance, literary fiction, immersive settings, beautiful language, experimental writing, contemporary poetry, and magical realism. Thank you so much for everything you do. Bria, what do you think Locke should read? I think you and I were both excited that someone said experimental writing because I feel like we don't often get that. Yes. Um, so we both went for that. But this is going to be experimental writing, literary fiction, immersive settings, and some magical realism. It's Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. It's part screenplay, part like man discovering more about himself and his family. And so it focuses on what he calls like these generic Asian characters in a screenplay. So it's like Kung Fu Man um, or, or things like that. And it's these men in these roles and they kind of step outside of those. And it crosses narrative screenplay fiction with also fiction. Like it's so hard to explain what this book is, but it's gorgeously written and it's really engrossing. Like you start it and you're just like, what is this book? And I just think Charles Yu is one of the best writers out there. Like I, I love his work and this one particularly because it because you like experimental writing. I think it's totally worth reading if you haven't picked this one up. What do you have for Locke, Valerie? Uh, my recommendation is another slightly experimental. Again, so funny. It's very because I do feel like this is something that's like most people aren't like, give me a weird ass fucking. Yeah, book. they're not. They're not. They're not. Yeah. So this is exciting <laughs> for us. Mine is On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong. It's an MLM queer literary fiction with beautiful experimental writing and short chapters. Mm. So I feel like this is squarely in Locke's wheelhouse. Boom. Uh, Vuong is also a poet and his collection Night Sky with Exit Wounds is literally my favorite poetry collection. Yeah, uh, but this novel, that. it's written as a series of letters from a young gay Vietnamese American boy to his illiterate mother. It's like very autobiographical for this author, um, but it's all about his experiences growing up in America in the Midwest and his first romantic relationship. And it's just, it's so fucking beautiful. And it hits on almost everything in Locke's Wheelhouse that I really think that this is both. I think both of these books are home runs. I'm very excited. Yeah. So mine yeah. is uh, On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong. And mine is Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. So if you want us to answer your recommendation request, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group. And folks, 
going to be spring soon. You want to get out there in a t-shirt? Get a cute one from our Void Merch store. All of our designs are available on everything. There's so many cute designs. You can get them in different colors, different fabrics, different types of shirts, and get stickers, tote bags, all kinds of other stuff. There's a link in the show notes for that. And remember, every time you get a piece of our merch, you help feed our hungry cats. I just put in my monthly Chewy order for my my cats, the giant cases of food that I get for them. And it really, really helps when folks... Uh, buy merch from us. And if you like the show and want to do something for us that's completely free, please rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice. It is fantastic for us and helps us reach more readers. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks Thanks for reading. Maximum fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.